When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to She Podcast, episode 371. This is the podcast about all things podcasting, kind of, and about 8,000 billion other things. Usually, I co-host this show with one of my BFFs, Jessica Kupferman, but she's not here today, and I have a special co-host. This is Araceli Rivera is in the house today. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, hey, thank you for inviting me. Yay. And after so many like hours of hours, I'm saying hours because it feels like hours when you're streaming live and you're trying to have like issues with your um, microphones and not hearing each other. Tech issues, man. You got to be really good at being able to navigate all of the crap that happens when you start podcasting. I mean, I have to say. Well, the beautiful thing is that it happens to all of us and we just really can't take it that seriously because if we do, we would never be really podcasters. This would be correct. And then we find out all kinds of things. Every time we have trouble come up, we know like how to fix the thing. And and interestingly enough, what you said was when I was doing the backup for I have another backup using Audio Hijack Pro and I have settings It's where I just have to press a button. So I essentially just tap it. And then what happened is Audio Hijack was hijacking audio from a completely different audio interface that wasn't even on. (laughs) So so it was like, what am I supposed to be doing? Anyway, so moving forward, though, I kind of wanted to show off a little bit because I got you. And mind you, I'm going to introduce Saraceli here in just a moment. But I'm really excited about this new microphone that I'm kind of testing out. And this is the Shure MV88 Plus, which is the one that you see for those of you who are watching us here today. And Araceli, you got one as well, although I'm not sure that you're now using it after I made I made you get up and move around so many different times. You're probably like... I'm using it. I'm using it on on our conversation here for the stream. And then I'm recording on another one for the audio that I will be sending to you. But it's an amazing microphone. Yeah, it's actually, I sat this morning and really wanted to work through the settings and I set it up in front of me here so that you can see it's a little bit more robust when it's really close to my face. Araceli, how far away are you from the MV88 right now? Um, An arm's length, maybe. So she's an arm length away of that. And the MV88 Plus is meant to be a mobile type of podcasting microphone, I would say that that's what leads it, meaning that it comes with this little um, video gear. Oh, yeah, we have the matching thing because we have the set right here. And it comes with this little thing, this little guy. And this puppy, you just stick the microphone right on top of it. I actually have it on a, this is an Elgato arm, I guess you attach the arms to where it is that you're recording. Um, you can put you can mount a camera on here, you can mount I've, I've mounted this microphone, it's really not meant to do that. It's really more for cameras and for lights. But I mounted the the microphone and it's got this thing in front of it, which is where you put your 
phone because it's again it's meant to be a mobile type device where you can record inside the phone um, either audio or video and so I put it on here I'm gonna really quickly for those of you who are watching on the stream I'll give you a little behind the scenes here's another like angle of it it's got the the little microphone stand and it's literally right in front of me and I have it super close to my face it's got a couple of inches away from my face I'm going to show you a different angle as well. You can see that I'm fairly close to the thing and it's attached to my little standing desk on the bottom so I can move this little mini arm uh, depending upon where I want it to place it. And it is a USB microphone. I currently have it connected to my Mac mini. And it, this is for sure going to be the thing that I carry around with me now whenever I travel uh, using it as a USB mic because, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, I traveled this weekend. And of course, um, I met you in person at Podcast Movement. And uh, you showed me that mic. And of course, I had to have it. Because it <laughs> is that wonderful. We're not being paid yeah. to say this. It no, really is a wonderful mic. And so I traveled this weekend, I took it with me, we record a podcast every day, we do an audio version of our newsletter. And I took it with me on the road, I plugged it into my cell phone. I got into a closet and that's where I recorded today's podcast. It's just very, very convenient. And it works with an app. You don't have to use the app, but it does uh, come with an app, access to an app that allows you to change the patterns so that you're able to record directly or you're able to get more sound around the room. Uh, just a wonderful, wonderful mic for podcasting. In reading reviews, um, a lot of people say that it's not great for music purposes, but I mean, just looking at the size, it really isn't meant for that, for musicians. I think it's right. uh, useful for people like us that are recording on the road. Absolutely. So for music, I think that it can do something else. You know what I mean? There can be something else used. But for podcasting, if you're covering an event, if you have a live and in-person person next to you and you want to keep things light, this is a really good go-to for it because it comes with so many different things. I did get a question in there, what cord to use to connect to the mic, uh, to the 13 mini. I obviously, I can't show you the cord that I currently have. It is a USB-C connector and then that's a USB mini, I believe, the connector at the bottom. And this is the one that's really short, the one that it comes with. It's super short. The one that I'm using here is an extra one that I carry with me because it actually fits on the on the MV7, which is another Shure microphone. And I found that I wanted to have a cord that wasn't so long. So I believe it's a USB-C and USB mini, USB mini connector not micro, mini, I think. I'll have to like get the exact what it is, but they have them everywhere. Hi, Jess. Hi, Bonnie. Nice to see you. <laughs> so, but it's actually really fantastic. And so what I did today is I opened up the app that I had for this and I set the settings for the microphone so that it had a pattern that is like, it looks like a little, like an upside down fat drop of rain, I guess. And so it covers this part of me. 
And what's really cool about the app is that you can set it to have different patterns. So you can have it so that it like opens up in a wider angle, like all the way up to like 90 degrees. If you want to capture sounds that are to the right and to the left, Um, there's also another one where it captures sound from the right and from the left, like two separate, like it really focuses in and that would be really wonderful for like an interview show. And then there's one where it mixes everything up. So it's got the right, the left, and it's got that bubble on in the background and it really gets a lot of sound added to it. And you can have presets inside the app. And when you save those presets, you can have that preset in the phone. And then when you move it from the, like, let's say you're on the phone and then you put it to the computer, it keeps those settings because they get saved to the microphone itself when you shift it around. There's also an app that is on the computer so that you can use it. So I'm really impressed with the sound. I'm actually really impressed with the sound (laughs) right now as I'm listening. We'll see what John says, our editor. So we'll see if if he's okay with that. So yay, I'm so excited. All right. And it also lets you do um, advanced settings like compression Mm -hmm. and um, all kinds of amazing things. I mean, I typically don't read the instructions, the manuals. I don't download apps. I just use what I'm used to working with all the time. But this is really worth exploring because it does have a lot of extras. I worth explored it for you. Because <laughs> I was like, I wanted to, to know mo- what else is going on with it. But there are some YouTube videos. In fact, I didn't put them in the show notes. I'll put them in the show notes here so that you can see. There's a couple of YouTube videos you can watch about the app settings themselves and how to set up the microphone based on the kinds of sounds that you want to get out of it. And I think that the other option that I forgot to mention, and I don't know if you have used this yet, Araceli, is... The video component of, I mean, other than the fact that you're using it right now for that, but have you done any video recording? Yes, yes. I have done video recording, not using the app, just using the microphone for video recording purposes. And I just, I switched my lavalier and in looking through my feed of videos from what we produced last week, I mean, it's a big, you can tell there's a, wow. there's a big improvement there from week to week from having recorded with a lavalier mic right here to having a mic right in front of me using the Shure MV88. I really recommend it. That's what I'm going to be using moving forward for all my videos because I've tried every single microphone you can think of for video purposes, and this has worked the best so far. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. I was very, very much impressed. And I think bonus aspect of it is that it's very light. So even this little thing that you see here, this little thing is really light and you can very easily carry it around and it doesn't feel super heavy. And again, we showed you the little pouchy thingy, right, that it comes with. And the little pouchy thing is I put it in my backpack and it's almost it's just squishy and it disappears. So I love it, and especially for traveling. Uh, mind you, the mm-hmm. price is for the kit. It's $250. I believe you probably can get, you know, I'm sure it's going to go on sale at some point, but it retails for around $250 for the video kits. What, the, what does the video kit get you? It gets you the little pouchy thing. It gets you the little tripod thingy. It gets you the little thing in front here where you could put your iPhone. That's what it gets you. And the microphone, of course. If you only get the microphone, it's $200. So if you only get the little the little mic, and it doesn't come with anything else. I'm not sure if it even comes with the little holder thingy because there's a little holder thingy that you can stick into any other thing that you can screw on. 
So it's been really nice. Yeah, it is a really good gift for the holidays for sure. And no, we have not discussed using the MV7 versus the MV88 on the weight and the presets. Well, as you can, as you know, the MV7 is a pretty large. It's so much bigger. I mean, I mean, come on, come on, Bonnie. This is like such a big mic. <laughs> I can't even. I don't even know which way I'm showing. That's the hugest mic, and then this is a tiny. This is how small it is. It's so small. It's two about two inches. Two inches long. The Shure MV7 is for sure a better microphone for recording a podcast. Would you say that? Like as in like everyday use? Araceli, have you used the MV7? So I haven't tried that at the MV7. MV, MV7, yeah, it's this one. No, I haven't tried that one, no. Um, I have a couple of mics. I'm using uh, an AKG right now. I can look up what I use for voiceover work because I do most of the work I do is voiceover commercial mm-hmm. work. So I work on a booth. I don't right. really do a lot of USB mics. I don't buy a ton of them. Right. But you can see that, Bonnie. Look at that. One versus the other. It's like so much bigger. The capsules themselves are also, obviously, this is a much bigger capsule. And if I'm in a standstill kind of a place, I would definitely use this. This also works a lot better when there's a lot of sounds around. The MV7 does. It mutes a lot more sounds. You can, it sounds a lot better. Like when, when we were having technical issues with Araceli, the rain decided to calm down and it was a deluge outside. And I could hear all of that in my ears because this little microphone is a condenser. So this is a condenser microphone. This is a dynamic microphone. The MV7 is a dynamic microphone. So if you're recording your podcasts in a less than stellar treated room, I would go with the MV7 hands down, especially if you are going to be be in a, in a specific location, that kind of stuff. If you are traveling a lot, if you don't have another choice, if you don't really have a studio where you can have a large piece of hardware in front of you, if you don't have a computer to really constantly record into, if you're primarily going to be using your iPhone or a mobile device to record, then I would go with the MV88. Um, they are about the same price point. That It really depends on your lifestyle, because if you're going to be doing a lot of traveling and a lot of moving, this is the way to go. It's It might as well do, use something like this, because this I traveled with this thing, and it's not easy. <laughs> It's too big. It's, you know, it's too big. So anyway, and and yes, the MV7 is like really, really fantastic. It really totally, totally is. But I mean, I haven't told you a little bit more about, uh, you know, Araceli has been around the audio industry for quite a while now. She's before the podcasting thing. She was a radio program director for companies like CBS Radio and Univision. And she was working specifically for stations targeting Latino audiences. And currently for podcasting, she runs via podcast, the number one source of information and community for Spanish speakers in uh, Spanish podcasters in Latin America and Spain. So she's also, as she mentioned, a professional voiceover artist and consultant. So there's that. And she also is a mom like Jess and I are with um, some <laughs> teens and preteens. Like I just had to stop for my preteen who came in 
to have me lock her out or in to her iPad because that's what happens. So <laughs> and um, her dad, you know, you guys, you and your dad work very close together. Melvin Rivera, who also runs via podcast with you or like you guys co co do things together a lot of the mm -hmm. time. And, you know, he's such a wonderful person. I love Melvin. He's so sweet. Um, I Amazing. always want my your dad and my dad to like and to get to like talk because they're like the same. Like I, I remember like <gasps> last year we did that live event. Like it wasn't a live event, but we recorded together. And I distinctly remember when I was talking with Melvin and he's and he's talking and I'm like, he's just like my dad. He's like literally <laughs> saying almost everything that my dad says. Like wow. the same vibe, the same like all the things I'm like, they would get along so well. Oh. <laughs> It's a huge blessing to work with my dad. And he's always been a visionary. Let me tell you, he understood the potential for podcasts way before I did. When yeah. he brought me on to this space, I was like, podcast? What is that? I was one of those. Yeah. I was one of those people, of course, coming from radio. I just, I didn't understand. Yeah. So he, he founded this company, brought me along, and now we run it together. And it's been really fun just learning from him and just being a, a space for uh, Latino content creators, podcasters, just creating a space for community more than anything. Because you can find information everywhere. But we what we're really aiming for is to create a space where we know each other, we're learning from each other, constantly talking. And so we have these Twitter spaces groups on Saturdays and bring in people like you, Yay! people that that yeah, that are making it happen so that we can learn and, and get inspiration and just keep going because really you learn by doing just like what happened to us earlier today. Mm -hmm. It's like something always comes up, but someone in the room always uh, has an idea and, and is able to, to get you out of that space and into the next thing. And by the way, I'm, I'm Spanglish, so I don't speak in, in English all the time. This is a huge effort for me. I know. You're like, to not go into the Spanglish thing. You can always go to the Spanglish thing because we're <laughs> going to be talking about that very soon here um, in one of the stories. We might even like jump around a little bit that we have to talk about. Muy bien. But yeah, I think that you're one of the things before we switch over to some of the news that we're going to be covering. I kind of wanted to give a little behind the scenes as to because this is incredibly impressive to me. And I think that there are a lot of folks that could really benefit from this. But you're running this new. So it's the the, the newsletter via podcast, y'all. So, yes, it is in Spanish. So obviously you're welcome to subscribe and get a Spanish speaking newsletter, even if you don't speak Spanish. Why not? But they also add a few stories that aren't necessarily the ones that are largely covered in podcasting. Um, this is something that is not unusual. And it is one of those things that I that was like a big culture shock, I think, for my family when we first came to this country, where it was like, you listen to the news in English, and then you listen to the news in Spanish. And you're like, Is this the same world we are all talking about? <laughs> <laughs> True. Right? It's like they're so different. They're they're two different points of view. And I think that there's a lot of value to the newsletter that you put together. So, but it's a daily thing. And you do a podcast. So can you give us like high level, like how you prepare what, or what you do and what the workflow is for you on the daily to get this thing out? So between six and 10, we're gathering news. We are looking for news and not just what is easy, what is popping up when you enter the keyword podcasting, but really looking at the stories of what's coming out of Latin America. Um, of course, we cover what is happening in the U.S. 
But we want to be the place where Spanish podcasters, Spanish-speaking podcasters are getting the information of what's happening in, in Mexico, in Argentina, in Colombia, in Spain. And so we're really going after those stories. And it, we're not only speaking about podcasting, but also about digital marketing, which is such an important piece of, of discovery and just... Any business that you start and launch, if you want to be discovered, you have to understand marketing and what's happening in social media and how to get your content uh, discovered. And so we're covering those stories as well. So it's about four hours of just looking for the content. Then we send it to our translator and writer. And maybe by 3 p.m. it's ready. And by 6 p.m. I'm recording. And before we record, we go in there and look to see if there are any breaking news that we need to add into the mix. Oh my goodness. So, Can you imagine that, y'all? I mean, yeah. listen, just like getting, because it's exhausting having to get together with all of that stuff. Do you feel like that after you're finished recording? Are you like, <sighs> at least I for stop the, taking or, it so seriously, you know? I think my dad and I, uh, we balance each other out in that way. He's very serious, very much a perfectionist. And I used to be a perfectionist, but now I'm just, I had to choose to let it go a little bit and to be okay with making mistakes. And I don't aim for perfection. I do, of course, aim for quality and uh, doing things with a, a standard of, of, of excellence. Mm. But um, I just have fun. And uh, I'm, I'm looking to add other things. Like we have a section called Podcast Recomendado, the recommended podcast of the day. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to add now audio to those. And so oh, that takes great. me a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's time consuming. And sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes I hear back the audio and I'm like, whoa, I shouldn't have recorded. I really <laughs> was really tired. I had no energy. But, um, but it's exciting. It's exciting to be that place where... People are getting this information and it's an important thing. It's to give recognition to all these content creators and their work and their projects. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. Look, Patrick says, how many days a week, Araceli? How many days a week? Cinco. Cinco, Patrick. Five. Cinco, Patrick. Cinco. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. At least she has. And now, yes. Yeah. So how about today? Did you, are you doing it today? Am I taking time? Elsie, my dad does not give me a day off, okay? <gasps> I was recording yesterday for today oh, okay. in a closet, in a hotel. Oh my God. And yeah, we're re we record through yeah. the holidays because the holidays in Latin America are different. So yes. even around Christmas, we're recording. We take maybe five days off a year. Wow. But I've gotten used to it. Yeah. And and, and mind you, y'all, it's not like an hour show, okay? It's, yeah. it's not super long. Right. It's five minutes. And I mean, eventually we're going to be able to use IA. But for now, I, I like my emotion. I like yeah. adding my my sarcasm at times. Yeah. I was reading a story last week about this um, new technology that is removing accents. Oh, my God. <laughs> from people in call centers. And I thought it was so funny. And of course, <sighs> I'm reading the story. I couldn't I couldn't stay serious. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I like doing it myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of nuts. I mean, I'm all yeah. for accents. It just helps us all be super more like it exercises so many parts of our brain to just have to even understand when people have a little bit of an accent and whatever. There's just so much love that comes from for our own brains to be able to work through the what give me a break. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, I'm actually going to jump straight to 
the news that some of the news that you shared, actually, because I want to parlay off of the conversation that we were having um, this one about NPR and Futuro Studios partner on upcoming dual language podcast. So when I read that headline, I was very excited. And so, you know, I click through. I click through, and um, this is like the paragraph right above it. It says, quote, NPR and Futuro Studios are proud to announce an upcoming collaboration on a new dual language podcast hosted by NPR's Jasmine Garzd. The show, which will use soccer to explore themes of identity, capitalism, immigration, class, and race, will launch later this fall in anticipation of the FIFA World Cup. Episodes will be published in both English and Spanish. So I have some things to say, but what do you think about that? I think it's wonderful and I feel bad for the producers. I hope they get the appropriate budget to put right. this together because it is, you know, twice the work. And right. I don't think that when companies are doing bilingual projects, they understand that. I don't think they understand how much more work it takes to translate and adapt because it's not just a Google mm -hmm. translation. So I hope they get the right budget in place. Um, I love Futuro Media and what they're doing. Anything for Selena yep. and La Brega, yep. uh, which tells the story of Puerto Ricans and you're on Puerto Ricans. So I just love <laughs> how they put that together. The story, the history of reggae, uh, reggaeton, actually mm -hmm. not reggae, reggaeton. Uh, so they put together some really amazing podcasts and I'm excited to see this. And of course, anything that involves soccer in the way that they're using, you know, soccer to explore race and immigration and identity. I mean, that's just there's so much amazing. Yeah, it's like the only so thing there. I have so many memories of like, right, you know, when we moved here, of being able to get together with all the people and having like the weekends or even la not just the weekends, like week random weekdays all of us around the tv watching soccer and it was just so fun there's nothing like being able to watch the world cup with your family it's life-changing it's just not the same vibe as american football here in the u.s like that same like sundays for watching the football right. things it's it doesn't have that same vibe it's like a totally different thing i don't know how to describe it it's so much about identity it's about yes being noticed, being celebrated. Um, you see those those guys running down that field and you're like, that's my country. That's you my know? country. And I <laughs> yeah. remember like I it's like the the narrative that my family had was always around the this is the last Latin American team that's playing. So like when the, the Latin American teams are playing with each other, of course you're like whatever's closest to you, right? You like side with them. And then right. whenever like they all like there's like one left and then it's the European, then it's like Latin American in Europe and then like we're gonna, you know, then you join us. It's just a whole, oh my God, it's a whole thing. And then thing. you're rooting for the Latino in that team. Yes, I mean, it's terrible. Exactly. It's terrible. <laughs> it's, so, it's totally like, who's, yeah, yeah. You, you get to know it, but that's so wonderful. Now, but here's the thing where I was just like, oh, I wish, I wonder, because I, I was like, I love the fact that it's, that it said that it's a dual language podcast, which awesome. So my thought with the dual language podcast is that it would be published as Spanglish. Like that was my thought. I thought, oh my God, they're going to do the thing that I want to be done, which is having an episode in both, just having an episode in both, not having to let people know what you said. Like, I just want to switch languages. I want the podcast to be in both. 
you start one way, you switch to Spanish, you switch to English, you do the thing, you have audio that comes in that is in a different language, you don't translate it, you maybe give a little context and you go back and forth and answering those questions. That's what I want. I want a podcast that's both. And it feels to me that this one is once again, like anything for Selena, which was in Spanish and in English. And so there were were shows, there were episodes that were the same, not really fully, not exactly, right? So they weren't like clones of each other, but there was the English and there was in Spanish. And so when I listened to those episodes in English and in Spanish, I always found another bit of insight because there was difference between them. But the the general idea around the podcast episodes was about the same, right? It was like the same podcast, almost. I was excited because I want it to be both. I don't want to have that translation. And I actually was in an, oh, I had a really great time. I was in a, um, a podcast episode for an Indian podcast. And the show itself was in Hindi. And they sent me the questions in English that she was going to ask. And she said, we speak in, I can't remember the word that she used, but it's like, it's the same. It's like Hindi and English, Hinglish. I don't even know what the name was that she said. She's like, it's like that. And I'm going to ask you the questions in Hindi and you're going to answer in English. And I was like a little scared. But when we got together, I could kind of understand the question that she was asking because she would fl- she would add those little English words inside. And I was like, okay, this is the question we're talking about now. Okay, go. You know, and, and we talked, she prepped me for it. And then she, we even, you know, I said like, how am I going to know what you're saying? And she goes, it's going to be kind of like this. And she spoken in, in English, right? And she, a lot of it was not in English. And then there were those little bits and I was like, yes, I got it. I got what she said. And I listened to the episode and... I loved it. I really loved, I was able to listen to her speak in her native language. And then I would come in and there was no apologizing for there being another language there. There was just a little more addition of words. Like if there were some words that were very colloquial, either to like specifically to English speakers, right? There's maybe a term that isn't really translated in Hindi, she would describe it a little. That's what I assumed was happening when I was listening. So I was really impressed with that. So that's kind of what I wanted. What do you think about that? Here's the thing. In radio in the U.S., for many years, when they tried, but when companies like Univision, I don't know if CBS also tried to do this, but major radio companies tried doing these bilingual formats. They didn't work. And Mm. what research told them was that Latinos in the U.S., When we moved here, we had to compromise in so many levels that as listeners, we no longer wanted to hear uh, if you're tuning into a Spanish radio station or Spanish content, you didn't want to hear English within that content Mm. because you already were sacrificing so much more and compromising in so many areas of your life that if I specifically came to you is to connect with what I remember from back home and not to hear another word in English. But this was 20 years ago. Right. And when they launched these radio stations, these bilingual radio stations, there were very strict guidelines that were given to DJs where every three or four words you had to say something in English. And I am bilingual. I mean, I I am Spanglish. That is my official language. I grew up in the States. I moved here when I was in seventh grade. 
So I naturally go to both languages, but I don't necessarily keep track of how many, after how many words do I, am I going yeah. to interject in Spanish? It just comes out naturally. Yeah. And so I think that giving the, uh, DJs those programming guidelines is what kind of ruined the experience for listeners because mm. it didn't sound authentic. And then again, this was 20 years ago. And right. so I think now there are more people like you and me that are comfortable in not just in English and Spanish, but, you know, the example you gave is a perfect one. I think for the most part, speaking in more than one language is just more accepted now. It's just normal. Yeah. And but no one is willing to put their money behind that or risk hmm. their revenue in a right. concept like that. So for the most part, the, the projects I've seen in the last couple of years have been all one, you know, all in English and adapted to Spanish, but no bilingual. Yeah, yeah. We should launch our first. <laughs> look at this. Look at this. I did have a Spanish podcast, Araceli, that very fast it pot faded because I was trying to do it all by myself. And as you know, that's oh. hard, especially yes. when you have two other podcasts that you're also producing. Mm -hmm. But Patrick, thank you so much for subscribing to my Spanish podcast. I had a great time, you know, and I still want to do it. But I think I'm going to maybe like bring it up and like switch it up and then have it be that Spanish and English. But that's a yeah. really interesting thing. And look at what Carla says that she wants us to keep our accents, keeping it real and genuine. I mean, we need to hear those, you know, those sounds with each other. And I think it just helps out for us to be expanded right. in, into all of that. But I am curious, okay. though. I think that we've changed. I think we're ready. We're ready. And so, look, as a professional voiceover artist, I never auditioned uh, for English language auditions. I, I just didn't think that mm. I would be accepted because of my accent. Well, surprise, mm. surprise, I'm booking projects left and right because of my accent. So now right. brands are more, they're looking for that sound that is representative of what America really is. And yeah. so, yeah, I think we're ready. Let's I think do it. we're ready. <laughs> I think we're ready. It's like it's such it's such a, a wonderful time for for us to be able to do this. And if you guys have any thoughts about that, do email feedback at shepodcast.com so that mm -hmm. we can know that. But, you know, there have been some studies that have been coming out lately about YouTube and podcasting. And so we're going to kind of chat a little bit about that. So it seems that, you know, podcasts are now live on YouTube. We had this on the docket to, to discuss with Jess in the last episode, and we just got to talking about all kinds of other things prior to addressing this. So right before podcast movement, there's now a YouTube podcast explore tab. So what do you think about this? So it's a step in the right direction. We're hearing more and more that YouTube became a serious platform for audio consumption. And I, I don't think people expected that to be the case because you think YouTube, you think video. And to know that people are actually going to YouTube to listen to audio, not necessarily to view anything, it was unexpected. And so now they added that tab. And for now, it just shows thumb thumbnails, which you can expand And it'll link to a player. It really isn't doing anything more than that. But I think the the, the expectation is that it's going to improve. The mm -hmm. experience is going to improve and it's going to help with podcast discovery. I think that every podcaster needs to be on YouTube and TikTok. And it's only because of the discovery, uh, the, the plus of, of the discovery, how these algorithms work right. in your favor as a content creator. 
uh, you lose nothing by putting your content out there and you gain everything if, if of course it goes in your in your way in your favor sometimes I, I place YouTube videos I'm not even putting video on it it's just an audiogram and I get four views and then there are weeks where we're getting 200 and so mm. it varies. Of course, they're still playing with you, these platforms, and pushing oh you gosh. to invest. The moment they see you're talking about a brand, they want you to invest, so they'll push back. But I think it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. But for and now, it's just a thumbnail. For now, yeah. I wish that there was a little bit more. Obviously, they're just starting out, so I, I get that. But there are a lot of questions that, as of now, we don't really even have an answer to. As in, like, do you tag it? Like, those are questions that we we don't know. Do you tag the show's podcast? Do you put them in a... I think there are some general best practices that YouTube has talked about, which is like adding all your podcasts to a playlist kind of a thing, right? And making sure that the playlist has the term podcast on it. Those are a couple of things, but that's not necessarily a best practice for podcasts. That's a bad, best practice for YouTube. <laughs> right. If you want right. to have like a playlist about whatever, those are like key. You want keywords on your tags. You want a, you know, keyworded playlist and it'll pop up when people are searching for those things. But at this point in time, we don't really have that. And I guess what's really disappointing at this moment, mind you, they're just starting out, is that in that YouTube podcast, I guess I think it's like YouTube.com slash podcast. They have like just the YouTubers. There's no mm -hmm. podcasters, really. On that page, there's YouTubers that have podcasts, kind of. <laughs> so the podcast in YouTube, I do feel like it, it's important. Now, there was another article from The Guardian that actually just came out. And I have a, a little quote from that article that says, Some believe an over-liberal use of the term podcast is to blame for any confusion. With the rise of the podcast, there's more content that is positioning itself as a podcast, says Wilson. And this is Steve Wilson from Q Code. In the pre-podcast age, a content creator might have made an educational video about the First World War. Now, someone's going to call that a video podcast, whereas five years ago, it was just a video on the war or a vlog, he says. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, no, that that's totally true. But I think for now, it, it's part of the discovery page, right? And it yeah. says that there are carousels you can expand into show all popular episodes, popular podcast playlists, recommended. So from what I understand, it's actually not available yet to everyone, certainly not available in Spanish. Oh, it was a big announcement. And then after they announced it, then they announced the relationship with NPR, bringing their mm -hmm. podcast into the mm -hmm. platform. So really, there's just so much we don't know. But I do, I have seen this whole thing with uh, that they're describing in that article with the, the confusion with the term podcast, where anything that uh, was recorded maybe years ago that sounds or looks and feels like a podcast is now called a podcast and it may not be. But um, I think this is going to shape into a really great tool for discovery once they put it in the center, available to everyone. It, we're just going to have to wait and see. But I think any of these big platforms, Twitter, YouTube, any of them making an effort to create tabs to highlight content by podcasters, um, once it actually gets uh, 
done right, it's, it's going to be a good thing for us. For all, I hope it's, so. And we what just about, don't know yet. <laughs> we don't know. I know because yeah. they're still like putting it out. And oh my God. And speaking of Twitter, Twitter's doing the same thing. They're starting. They've now also announced that they have podcasts. Have you got, I have not seen anything. Have you gotten any fancy things on Twitter? Also not available to everyone. Okay. Uh, available to select creators and it's part of their audio spaces experience or tab. We're doing audio spaces every week and it's been a headache because, for example, our guests cannot connect with a, or even as a user, you cannot connect with your iPad or on your computer. Oh, it's yeah, only that's available, right. yeah, on your cell. So they're trying to improve the the whole Twitter audio experience, and I think the the hope is that once they get it right, those content creators that are bringing their audio into Twitter can benefit from Twitter's fame of being the place for breaking news and live content. That they can leverage that to their advantage for discovery purposes, and to even get the dialogue going live as you're podcasting, as you're doing this right now, yeah. this, this this live, you could be, you know, having this whole dialogue on Twitter at the same time, and how much more visibility will, will that get you? I mean, it, it could, in theory, work. The thing is, they're just going live with these announcements, and they're really not saying much other than this is what we intend to do. And yes. it's not available to everybody just yet. <laughs> it's kind of frustrating. Yeah. It is. Because, I mean, I've seen some changes on Twitter already. And I think the most frustrating part, or it's one of those FOMO feelings where you're sitting there and then you're like, how did you do that? You'll be looking at stuff on your phone and you'll see people use tools that you know they must have. And then I'm looking, looking around where these things are and they're not even available yet. And this, how, how does it actually work? And everybody's really excited about the podcast on Twitter stuff. And I think that one of the most biggest frustrations as a consumer is that I do wish that Twitter would push out at least the spaces functionality to the iPad. Because to me, in my humble opinion, or at least in my household, the iPad is probably the number one device of podcast consumption and engagement for the entire family. So if we're watching a video, essentially, we'll use the iPad. My kids do it. I watch YouTube on my iPad. Like I don't put it on my computer. My computer to me feels like more work, right? So if I mm -hmm. open my computer, I'm doing my job in there. I check social, I'll do things like that, but I won't engage anything beyond that usually. My iPad is my consumption device, as is my phone. I tend to gravitate more towards my uh, phone for consuming, obviously, spaces and anything that is audio focused. But with the iPad, it's what I use for Zoom calls a lot of the time. It's what I use when I'm doing a virtual event or something like this. I'm more used to having the iPad in front of me because it's much more portable. I can take it to the kitchen with me. I can put it somewhere else. It's got a bigger screen. I can really quickly move through it. Whereas with the laptop, it feels like I have to be, you know, like you're doing right now. You're seated right in front of me. We're right there, right? Mm -hmm. Which and, and this is great, but because mm -hmm. we're on video, it's a different feeling. And I think with the Twitter spaces, I can sense that I would engage a lot more if it was available to me in the iPad. And I would probably listen to more podcasts using Twitter 
on my iPad than I would on the phone, which is weird. But I, I can see myself doing that because I consume Twitter a lot more on my iPad than on my phone. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm, to me, it's a big frustration that we can only use it with our cell phones. And I mean, I had a guest last week and we were five, 10 minutes late because he didn't know that he couldn't oh. use his computer where he had his whole setup. Of course, lesson learned for me, I need to create this package for guests and tell them what to expect. And I, I, I shouldn't assume that they know. The intention is there and I hope it works, but it needs to work quickly. And they, I, I, it's frustrating to me that these announcements come out with very little information and, you know, available to a select few, not available to Spanish content creators. <laughs> it's just like, okay, well, why didn't you just wait? Yeah, I think it's, they need to test it. True. You always need to test stuff as well. And I think that testing it out maybe a little bit at a time gives the ability for folks to actually do it and then right. get a little bit of feedback. And in my other podcast, um, The Feed, Rob said he made me, well, he didn't make me bet, but I took his bet where he was just like, he said something about like the over and under as to whether or not Twitter podcasts would be gone next June. <laughs> that it was just going to be like, because they do that all the time. Twitter does mm -hmm. that all the time. This mm -hmm. is not unusual, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. They like put things out and they're like, well, it's going to be it gone. It didn't work. It didn't yeah. work. Yeah, it's gone. So yeah. who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? So anyway, we're going to start to wrap this, all of this stuff down a little bit here. Now, Bonnie, I know you are here. You asked me a question about... Meghan Markle's podcast archetypes and the way that it's ranking and that it doesn't seem like there's something a little fishy with that because it was number one on Spotify for so long. And um, it looks like her episodes are really not ranking in those top categories and what that means. And I really don't know. I mean, there's so many people thinking all kinds of things about what could have happened with that. My thought process is that it could the, the number one, the algorithms for these platforms are really unique to each platform. And they're not really based on what we would imagine, which is popularity. Because a lot of the time we think like, oh, if a podcast is number one or whatever in charts, it has to do with the fact that it's got the largest audience. It's got it's the most popular. Whereas that's really not the truth. A lot of these charts are based on time-based engagement, where it's um, a set amount of time that people take action on your episodes, on your podcast. And what that means is how many times people followed your show within, let's say I'm taking a, a random time period, but like within 24 hours. So within 24 hours, how many people followed your show? Within 24 hours, how many people downloaded or tapped play on an episode within 24 hours, how many people commented or liked an episode or um, left a rating or review. All of those things are additive to how they calculate charts. And some, depending upon what platforms, it really actually moves there within 24 hours, 48 hours, et cetera, et cetera, and so, so forth. And sometimes you can actually rank based on actions that are being taken on your podcast, but it doesn't really necessarily mean that it has more audience than 
insert whatever the top Rogans of the world and all of that stuff happens. So I have not really heard anybody manipulating charts for a reason, you know, and I, I I guess allegedly you could look at that and say something like that. But in truth, the charts, we don't know what they're measuring. What do you think, Araceli? <laughs> Didn't she stop delivering content for a while, though? Yeah. Could that have been part of what happened here? This is a new podcast she just released. So mm. this is like a totally new thing. There's been a lot of um, promotion for her podcast, for sure. Uh, I have not li listened to it, so I can't really say whether or not I'm like loving it or not, right? And so there was a lot of promotion with it. There's a deal going on. So there's a lot of behind the scenes politics that comes with all this stuff. And in fact, I don't even know if she's only on Spotify. Like, I actually don't know. I don't know. Is she? Because <laughs> I <laughs> forgot. I don't know if the deal is really still just Spotify centric. I, I can't mm -hmm. remember uh, all of this stuff. But I think that there's so much to be said about the layers of, of everything that's going out. And, and of course, the report that came out about this was from the Daily Mail. And the Daily Mail and the UK doesn't particularly care for Meghan Markle, if I may say. <laughs> so I think that they're probably not going to cover her in any positive light at all. So that, you know what I mean? And yes, she says mm. that she has two episodes for the new podcast. And yes, only on Spotify, says Bonnie. So yeah. And I guess the debut week, it was number one. And yeah. what she's saying is that it didn't hold week two. But if they had a ton of promotion, that kind of makes sense too. Yeah, based on what you've described and how mm -hmm. they do these rankings. And plus, we don't know. And so that's the other thing. Like, I can tell you that what we have learned about the rankings in charts has never been disclosed by the platforms. What we do know are people who have done tests on their own and have access to a lot of data from many different podcasts. And therefore, they are kind of reverse engineering looking at data from their perspective to see how podcasts move up the ranks, how long they stay this and stay there and all of this stuff. This has never been confirmed by most platforms. It's really just been observations through the years. And for folks that have been around the industry for a long time and have been observing what happens when a new show goes out. And, you know, we have some friends as well who really work to getting uh, ranking top rank or like releasing or like being number one for a specific episode or getting people to the number one to five slot and have been able to do that consistently. It most of the time has to do with what I just said, which is within a specific period of time, when people take action on your show and either download it, follow it, act positively on it, but it all has to do within a, a specific period of time. That's what, what really moves you up and down the charts. And, and it's really just for like that screenshot because you can go and you know you could be number one, like I'm number one on Tuesday. <laughs> and then on Wednesday, you're nowhere, but you get that screenshot. <laughs> Sounds like radio ratings. Yes. <laughs> Number one, one week and not the following. Yeah. Ah, we but should put that to the test with this podcast. Let's oh my gosh, I know. it, comment right now, send it to a friend. <laughs> yes. It's like, I'm serious. Like that's what I, when I, I generally tell my clients, like, especially when they're about to launch, 
that part of it is that you get a little posse that's going to help you out and they're going to do these actions and they don't actually even need to listen to your show. And that's why Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll say like, get the people who love you, the people who really, really love you, who will just do everything you want them to do. They don't care what you're doing. They don't even know what a podcast is. Just tell them exactly what they need to do and tell them, do it on Tuesday. Do it on Mm -hmm. Tuesday. You know what I mean? And then give them a date, have them do it. And it'll just bump you up a little bit into those charts. Mm -hmm. You'll get a screenshot hitting that top 100, hitting that top 50, that top 25, and then you'll be done because it just keeps moving. So it's not going to be that your launch posse. Yes, I bought, oh, you bought your first ad on Overcast. Thank you, Patrick. I'm like, thank you so much. Like it's my Overcast. <laughs> no, it's not my Overcast. Marco is great. And he does get um, a lot that the ads on Overcast have really historically proved to be really great. She podcasts live. She podcasts live. Oh my God, uh, I know. Days away and you have a code. I know I have a code. I know. Look at that. She's like, you got to do it. Yes. So if you are watching this stream, you need to use the code today. So it's the it's the number two and day, right? Just for now, my friends. So it's really just for now. It's just for September 4th and September 5th. All right. And it's 50% off your tickets. Okay, so if you're checking this out and for those of you who are listening to this episode, which is going to come out way after this date, I want you to email me super sad about the fact that you missed it over to you need to email Elsie at ShePodcast.com and we're going to see what we can do about that for y'all to see if we can fix that problem for you. But you need to email me. You can't just like not do it. All right. So 50% off today and tomorrow, September 5th and September 6th to be able, or 4th and 5th. What did I say? 5th. Today's the 5th. It's 5th and 6th. I wrote the wrong dates on the, in front of the screen. So 5th and 6th. Sorry about that, y'all. Yes. So please go ahead and shop for that. That would be incredible. And where can we meet you, Araceli? How can we connect with you and everything that you're doing? I am Ara Rivera. That is my handle on Twitter and uh, Instagram. And we are at viapodcast.fm. So Perfect. please share the uh, the newsletter with a friend. You can always, if you're using an Apple device on the top, just to translate, choose the uh, option to translate. And you could read um, everything we're, we're curating for you every day with what's uh, the news of, of what's coming out of Latin America and Spain. That's so, awesome. yeah. Podcast.fm. And if you are really curious about conversations around multilingual podcasts or anything that has to do with the Latino audience or the Spanish speaking audience, we are or we as in like uh, folks from Edison Research and all the sponsors, we have the official meetup for the Latino podcast listener report, which is happening on September 15th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, there's going to be a link in the show notes. It is the Multilingual Podcasters Meetup, and it's 100% a meetup. So this is not something that you're going to show up to and like be more of a watching people talk. There are going to be portions of that, but I would, I'm thinking like maybe tops 30 minutes of content of people talking and panels. The rest of the time is people talking about what we discovered in the Latino podcast listener report and being able to find other like-minded producers podcast producers out there that are doing the work and centering here really Latino 
uh, in the U.S., Spanish and English. But hey, if you are a bilingual person who happens to speak a completely different language than Spanish, you are absolutely 100% welcome just to be able to, you know, language is language. And, and these issues that come up within podcasting and multi-language podcasting is not just a Spanish-English thing. It's a multi, all oh, there's so many other languages in the world and anything that pops up is is it, right? So we're looking forward to seeing you. There's going to be a link in the show notes and um, that is all. And so we will be finishing up today. Thank you so much, Araceli. For coming thank to play you with me for today. having me. Yay. Of course, thank you for having me. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs>